Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. Last week, we, we thought together about our mission. The, the mission for all Christians is to be like Christ. And the way that we do this is by loving God and loving neighbor. And we thought about how the mission for any church is to be united together under a shared focus of remaining faithful to God while we all live like Christ together. And as we are faithful, God will be fruitful. And today, us as the church, we follow the example of the early church in the way that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer, which here at Restoring Hope, we say the row, the circle, the chair. Again, this all comes back to us being like Christ in everything that we do, not just on Sundays, but every moment of every day that we live. And today, this morning, we are digging deeper into the row, into what it means to devote ourselves to this gathering together. We we come to church as a church to learn together through the preaching and teaching of scripture in order to become more like Christ. But my question this morning is, is why is that important? Why is it so important to, to come to church? Why do we spend so much time and energy on creating a church service in the way that we do with, with music and offering and preaching? Maybe you've heard people argue that, that you don't have to go to church in order to be a Christian, especially when you can find any church in the world and watch them online from your home or from your phone, wherever you are in the world at any point throughout the week. And if we can do that, why is it so important that we come together as a group, as a church to fellowship together? One of the things that that we do when we gather together uh, as the church is that we read and we learn from scripture. And we do this in a way that should inspire us to take what we learn from the row and take that to our circles and then to our chair out to the rest of the world so that we can together become more like Christ. And we see Jesus himself doing this very thing as he walked on this earth. He continued to gather people together and taught them. Luke 4.31, then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. Luke 5.1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. This was a a common pattern for Jesus. And it's also something that he trained his disciples to do as well. Mark 3, 14, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And this is exactly what they do after Jesus ascends into heaven. Acts 8, 4, those who had been scattered 
preached the word wherever they went. 1 Corinthians 1.17, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. God's design for the church includes this system of preaching and teaching with a goal to transform people into his own image. And so we come together in the row to learn together in a way that transforms us into the image of Christ, which means that we don't simply come to church to hear a sermon. We come to church to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ, which means that that church is more than simply listening. James points this out in James 1.22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, meaning that we must not simply hear, we must apply what we hear, we must become doers of the word, which requires us to first hear the word being taught by individuals whom God has called to teach, and then we apply that word to our lives. But still, this doesn't quite answer the question, because can't we do all of this from home? Can't we read our own Bibles and do our own Bible studies without a pastor or a teacher? Do we really have to go to church in order to be a Christian? One of my favorite things to do is to fix things. I, I love when a toy breaks and the kids run up saying, Daddy, Daddy, can you fix it? And, and I love the challenge of figuring out what's wrong with it. And then that satisfaction you get, maybe a little bit of pride when you fix it and it's, it's working again, but nothing beats the smile on the kid's face when you give it back to them and it is working again. And I'm fairly decent at fixing things. And because I'm fairly handy and enjoy it, I often get myself into trouble because I take on projects that really should have been left to the professionals. And Amy will attest to this multiple times in our marriage. An example, a few years ago, our van broke. And so I asked a few people in our church to diagnose the issue with the van, which they did. And they told me it was the alternator, which is a small piece about yay big that just needed to be replaced. And I had done this before in other vehicles. So I ordered the part myself and then I went to change it only with the minivan. In order to get to it, you have to take the front wheel off. And then you have to jack the van up so that you can even reach it. So I'm in my driveway, front wheel is off, the car is jacked up. Now I was smart enough to put a jack stand under there, you know, one of those things in case the jack fails, it'll catch it. I was smart enough to do that. So I'm under the car, I'm trying to get one of the bolts loose and I, I'm hitting it at this point because I cannot break it loose. And as I'm doing it, all of a sudden, uh, everything starts to go black. And I find myself screaming and doing this like roll throwing maneuver. And Amy comes running outside at this point because she heard this loud scream to find that the van had fallen on top of me. And while I was smart enough to put a jack stand under there, I was not clearly smart enough because I didn't use any wheel chocks. I didn't stick anything behind the wheel and we're on a slight uh, 
incline of this driveway. Yeah, I could have died because I'm not very smart, apparently. And then in that moment, you know, I'm bleeding and I can't breathe. And now the injuries took weeks, if not months to overcome. I still think I have PTSD. I won't climb underneath a vehicle anymore to this day. This is something that I, I should have left to a professional to do. I should have taken it to a professional mechanic to fix, or I should have asked for help. Had I got Stan to come with me, he would have been smart enough to say, hey, we should put something behind this wheel so that doesn't happen. But I think I was too prideful. And so I tried to do it on my own. There are times where things are better left to the professionals or times where we need help from other people. There's a reason that we gather together as a church. There is a reason that Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There is a, a purpose for us coming to the row to be shaped by scripture together. There is something special that happens to us when we gather together in the row under the teaching of scripture, something that, that helps us overcome a major issue in the world around us, which Paul addresses for us in some of his letters in the New Testament. There are two letters that, that Paul writes to a man named Timothy. And Paul had trained this man, Timothy, and he, he put him in charge as pastor over the church that Paul started in Ephesus. And so Paul writes letters to Timothy to encourage and guide him. And in his second letter to Timothy, Paul is, is helping Timothy overcome a major problem that was in the church, a problem that had been there since Paul started, but had continued to grow. And the problem was false teachers people that would come in creating division and leading people astray by teaching false things. And we see Paul address this issue clearly in 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18. He says, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. These false teachers are destroying the faith of people in this early church, which is a, a big problem. And so Paul gives them advice on how to handle it. Going to chapter four, Paul says, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. 
Paul says that Timothy must continue preaching the word because there will be a time when people will not want to hear the truth. And so instead, they will find other people that that will tell them what they want to hear, that will tell them that they are good enough, that they are fine, that they don't need to change anything or do anything different. I hate to say it, but that sounds very familiar to our culture today. Many people in the world today pick and choose what they want to believe. They pick and choose what they want to hear. We are bombarded with information. Some of it is true and some of it is false. My, my high schoolers that I teach, they rely on Google for all of their answers. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with looking up answers or using Google as a tool, but the problem is that if they find it on a Google search page, then they never actually go to the website to see how trustworthy it is. They just assume that it is correct because it appeared in all of their search results. And then they will cite this Google search page in all of their papers. They struggle to grasp that Google is just searching things found on the internet and anybody can write whatever they want to on the internet. There are even websites that produce fake news for comedy. But if you don't know that it's made up, then you would believe that it would actually be true. And then you mix that with this belief in our culture that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Absolute meaning only one truth. And said our culture says and teaches that truth can be whatever you want it to be. And that leads to a culture that will choose their own teachers based on what they want to hear. And in a digital world, we can find teachers all over the world from our phone. And so now we live in this time that Paul talks about, where where people will just find other teachers to teach whatever their ears desire to hear. And then that for them is considered truth because they want it to be truth even though it might be contrary to who God is and what scripture says. If our mission is to be like Christ, then that requires us to know who Christ is and how Christ lived and what he taught. But there is only one Christ and there's only one source to know who Christ is, which is the Bible. But we run into an issue when people even go to the Bible and they take scripture out of context, or, or people begin twisting scripture and teaching things against that. And we find an even bigger problem when, when preachers claim to preach the truth, but instead they just twist it to teach people what they want to hear in order to fit their own desires. I saw a picture recently that was similar to this on the screen. And it, it, it said this, it said, you are worth more than your failures. Not that when you spoiled it, but that's okay. Um, it says, you are worth more than your failures. Romans 3.23 is what it said under this. Now, does anybody see an issue with this? Anybody? No? Now put up the other screen. This is what Romans 3.23 actually says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
That first statement makes it seem like this is what Romans 3.23 actually says. Now, if you look at those, you can see that the messages are similar. They are kind of close. They both state that we fall. And there is other scripture that points to this idea that we are worth more than our failures because even though we have sinned, Christ still died for us. So these are similar, but that's what makes it even more dangerous is how similar they actually are. Because we might see this and without thinking about it, without checking our Bible, we might assume that this is just another translation of what Romans 3.23 is. And scientifically speaking, if our brains see something over and over and over again, if, if enough people share something on social media that we see it multiple times, it can actually change the way that we think. And over time, whether we meant to or not, it can actually become what we believe, which is why it is so important to guard ourselves and make sure that what we are receiving and seeing and hearing is true to Scripture. But how do we actually do that today? That is why it is so important to come to the row. We come to the row so that we can hear the truth of Scripture and allow this truth to transform us into the image of Christ. We come to the row so that we can realign ourselves to the truth and rid our brains of any false teachings that we may have seen or heard throughout the week. But we also need the complete strategy of the row, the circle, and the chair. We don't just come on a Sunday and listen to a message and then forget about it. James says that we must become doers of the word. We, we must meditate on it. We must continue to think about it. We must continue to talk about it. So we take what we learned from the row and we bring that to the circle and talk and discuss together. And then we take all of that to the chair where we spend intentional time with Jesus alone through prayer, allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work inside of us. All of this so that we may continue to grow into the image of Christ because our goal is to become more and more like Jesus. Timothy's purpose and responsibility was to preach scripture to people, to, to constantly preach truth to a people that are bombarded with false information. Again, we, we come to church as often as we can, to make sure that we are hearing truth, to, to realign ourselves with God's word, knowing that our brains are filled with false information all week long. Going back to the car analogy, there are times where our vehicles have major issues that require the work of a professional mechanic. But we also have regular maintenance to do on our vehicles. We need to replace and realign our tires so that we're always driving straight. We need to replace the oil every few months. We need to fill the car up with gas so that we can get to where we need to go. And all of those things are extremely hard to do if you don't have the supplies on your own or if you don't have a store that has all of the supplies that you need. You can't fill up with gas unless there is a gas station. And so we come to church as often as we can 
so that we can refuel, so that we can encourage one another through fellowship, so that we can realign ourselves with the truth of God's word, so that we can grow more and more into the image of Christ. Paul gives Timothy very specific instructions. He says he needs to preach the word. And then in verse two outlines how he says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. All of these things are related to preaching. Timothy must preach in and out of season, which means that he needs to be prepared no matter the situation or the time. It could be good or inconvenient. It could be a Sunday or it could be a random Wednesday at two in the morning when somebody calls you and says they heard something or read something or some devastation happened that you need to be prepared to share the word with God, the word of God with people. And then he says, Paul says that, that as he is preaching, he must also correct rebuke, and encourage. Timothy must have the strength and be brave enough to call people out when they are wrong. He must be willing to speak truth even when it goes against the population, against the world. And he has to do that with careful instruction and patience, which also means that as we hear the truth, we must also be willing to receive correction when we are wrong and receive encouragement when we need it. If we back up to, to chapter three, Paul says in verse 16 and 17, he says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is what equips us. The purpose of preaching is to equip people to be more like Christ in everything that we do. The purpose for coming to church is so that we may be realigned and refueled together under the teaching and preaching of pastors so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has for us. While Paul is writing to Timothy, he's also writing to the church, to us today. And he gives us this encouragement and reminder in chapter one, starting in verse six. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God has given us the gift of grace, the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
And this gift does not make us timid or shy, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And we find this gift explained and taught through the scriptures. It is by reading and teaching and preaching of scripture that God continues to equip us for good works. It is by the reading and teaching and preaching of scripture that we are able to hold on to the truth and we're able to realign our brains by recognizing what is false in the world around us. Do we have to go to church to be a Christian? No. But can you imagine how difficult it would be to stay truly aligned to Christ without being part of a church? Can you imagine how difficult it would be to be devoted to fellowship without the people of Christ to be in fellowship with? We come to the row to be realigned, refueled and restored by the master mechanic, God himself, who uses pastors like me and Brian to be his mouthpiece of sharing the truth and hope found in scripture so that we together may be a holiness people that are grounded in the truth of Christ and empowered and equipped to then go out into the world, living our life for Christ in the image of Christ by loving God and loving neighbor so that we can share this love with those around us. Do we have to come to the row in order to be a Christian? No. But don't you think that you would want to? I can't think of a, a reason why you wouldn't desire to be part of a community that is realigning themselves together to the truth of Scripture. And as we grow together into the image of Christ that is continually becoming a holy people together. If you desire to be made holy, to be sanctified, to be transformed into the image of Christ, to be made into a tool of special purposes for God's work, then it requires us to be obedient to his word, to come to the row and receive the preaching and teaching of scripture and for us to be vigilant in ensuring that we are only listening to the truth and staying away from false teachings to make sure that we're not just hearers of the word, but that we become doers. And as we do those things, we will continually be made holy, sanctified, and transformed more and more into the image of Christ, which then allows us to reflect the image of Christ more and more to the world around us. It allows us to offer the restoring hope to the community around us. We must be hearers and doers of the word. And this begins with us in the row. And then we take that to our circles and then to our chair. If you desire to be made holy as God desires for you, then it begins by devoting yourself to the reading and preaching and teaching of scripture by faithfully coming to the row that we call church. I would like to close out this morning with a, a written prayer of sanctification 
that was written many years ago by John Wesley. And I hope that, that we together can allow this prayer to, to be our own. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou will. Rank me with whom thou will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified. And we all said together, amen. My challenge for you this week is that you don't simply be a hearer of scripture today, but that you become a doer, that you take this, you meditate on it, you talk about it, you think about it, and then we take that to our circle groups, which we don't have yet. And so as you are thinking and praying and talking about it, let us know if you are ready to host a circle group that will begin not this week, but next week. But you can take it to the chair today, tomorrow, every single day to sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit, to not simply be hearers, but to be doers of the word. Will you stand with me and receive the priestly blessing as you are refueled and realigned to go out to the world? from the row to the circle to the chair. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You are dismissed. Go in peace and fellowship with one another. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaz church or our website rnaz.church.